0: Welcome, Welcome to to the Electrician, electrician Success electrician podcast. podcast. High performance, technical, apps, software.
1: and software. It's all about relationship. Customers just want to be heard the truth.
0: You just gotta be open and honest with yourself and go, yeah, we've got a problem. I let the guys create the culture. Anything that you want to achieve is possible. You just have to break it down backwards from the goal. This episode is brought to you by the Electrician Success Academy. You go to electrical school during your apprenticeship to learn how to be an electrician technically, but they don't teach you the skills you need to succeed in the electrical industry as an electrician and as a business owner. That's where the Electrician Success Academy comes in because we teach skills like customer service, business operation hacks, sales and marketing, work-life balance, finances, productivity and more. All of these skills are applicable to any electrician and any business owner anywhere in the world. If you are looking to take your trade and your business to the next level we recommend that you sign up as a community member and be motivated by the high performance electricians in that group. This is called social learning. This is where we all teach each other something. As a community member you have direct contact and can ask questions to any one of the interviewees that you hear on this podcast. You can talk directly with me, Greg Allen, and you can talk directly with Kirk or anyone else that's on the podcast. And you can interact with other high-performance electricians from around the world and get little tips and tricks that you might not have thought about in your local area. And that's what this is all about. We're trying to share high-performance information with the entire world so that we can all lift each other's standards and be more successful in the electrical industry. So if you're interested in signing up to that go ahead to the electricians success academy.com and sign up as a community member and if you want to further your learning after that and once you see what it's all about then you can sign up to additional electrical courses on there as well. I welcome you just to go and check it out because we would love to have you on board as a community member. If you need to get in touch with me for whatever reason, just shoot me an email at support at electricians-success.com. But anyway, let's get stuck into this episode. We hope you enjoy it and you get a lot of value out of it. Have a super day out there. Talk to you soon. Thanks, Mark. Thanks for coming (laughs) on to the podcast today. My pleasure. And today we're going to be talking about mindset and communication. And can you tell me a little bit about your background, though? Oh, yeah, sure. Uh, so...
1: We obviously we've uh, we've known each other for over a, well almost a couple of years now. Uh, my background, my role, uh, I work with business owners to help them improve their business, uh, and very much around the communication and mindset side of things. So, taking on a philosophy of the, the business is a reflection of the owners, yeah, and the people within it are also a reflection of them as well. So, if there's any challenges that anyone's ever having in communication or where the business is going, it always starts with the owner that that has the ultimate responsibility of. where where a business is going, and I uh, help people get clarity on where they're going, but more than that, just help them with the execution of the steps within that, so actually get results. So, yeah. It's all well and good to have those lovely big picture ideas, but if you don't have the strategy to execute it, then they stay dreams that are intangible. Yeah, cool.
0: Awesome. Well, today, um, I think what we're going to work out is exactly how you cipher between the employee mindset and the employer mindset. Um, So tell us a little bit about uh, each mindset and how that's going to be. Yeah,
1: well, uh, obviously, this has come about from where we had a little conversation about what, what's going to be most useful for a lot of electricians. And whether you're a business owner or you're an employee, hopefully, people will get some benefit from this, this podcast today. But there's some distinct characteristics that need to be understood. And, and one of the most common things that I see within business owners or within businesses in general, yep. not just within the trades, but all businesses, a common point is. Uh There's there's a way of thinking that business owners have and then there are some ways of thinking that employees have. And if you don't do the translation, either talking to your owners, the business owners and the managers, or translate back to talking to your employees, obviously you get this mismatch. And when there's a mismatch, you get this conflict and challenge. Yeah. And then you get pissed off uh employees who feel like they're not being taken care of and then owners get annoyed because... Their employees aren't working hard enough and they've got the stress of paying bills and making sure that everything's taken care of. So we're going to talk today a little bit about what are those differences and how you can translate to make sure that everyone's on the same page and you've got high-performing teams both from an owner point of view and an employee point of view. It would be really
0: cool if today we could walk away with, for an employee, how you can talk to your employer and for an employer, how you can talk to your employee Mm. to get the result that you want out of your business and out of your work. Perfect, let's do that. Awesome, (laughs) Sounds good. All right, cool. All right, let's start with the employer. So let's talk about um, how the employer thinks Mm -hmm. and what the employer thinks the employee thinks. Yeah, (laughs) well look, let's let's take
1: it back a step even further from that. Because there's so many people that get started in trade businesses who start off, they get qualified, and they're like, right, I, I can do this myself. Whether they've been an employee for a little while and either, you know, a lot of people get pissed off with their bosses so they go like, I'm off to go and do my own thing. And it's a very different world running your own business than working for someone. Now... It starts off and then you get a few clients and the great thing about being a sole trader or self-employed is all the money you make goes in your back pocket and like, yay, I've got money. Uh, and, then, and, and this is quite exciting, but then if you're good at what you do and you communicate well with, uh, with your clients, you start getting busy and then all of a sudden time is the problem. Mm. Time is the problem where you now can't take care of all the people that you want to and if you've got a goal to grow, now you need to get somebody else in. Yep. But that person now has a cost associated with it so now you've got to pay someone to do the job but now you've got to make sure there's enough work to pay you and the person you're employing and it brings us own new set of challenges and without shifting the mindset of sole trader to business owner or manager then we we start to run into old patterns and one of the biggest challenges is is owners going like oh what are you doing like I'll do it and jumping back in the employee's shoes and then that just breeds a culture of employees going like oh Oh, yeah, I'll you just do it chill, then. relax. I don't have to do anything. <laughs> so you got to make sure you train your stuff. So I'm um, from
0: a mindset of, what did you ask for the employee or the employer? Yeah, no, I, I think like if we can go, let's go through because a, a business owner, electrical business owner obviously was an employee at some stage. Mm. So it might be best if we start at employee, go to sole trader mindset and then uh, business owner, operator. Perfect. Mindset. Love it.
1: Cool.
0: So, let's talk about the employee mindset. What drives
1: employees is the security of knowing that they have money magically appear in their bank account every fortnight. Yeah. And any employees listening to this, there'll be part of it that goes like, no, that's not true. And another part that goes, actually, you know, I do kind of like just knowing that I've got this money. And the benefit, so this is the thing about employees, like they don't, and there's no right or wrong, there's no good or bad, this is just how we have our focus is This is a big generalization, but a lot of employees start work at 7, finish at 3 or 4, done, go home, chill out, don't have to worry about anything, and just know that they're going to get paid uh, every fortnight. Money magically appears in their bank account, and if they spend it all on the first weekend, then that's okay. They've got a week and a half of waiting to (laughs) struggling through to get enough money but they know that it's going to appear in their bank account again so they have the security the security of having an employment is you're contracted you know exactly how much you're going to earn in a year so if you spend more than that you're going to go into debt and if you spend less than that then you've got some savings to to work with and there's the security of that don't have to go and find work as in jobs to do, uh, don't have to go and find a van, don't have to kit it all out. And as a business owner, business owners will hear me say this and go like, well, of course you've got to do all this. Seems, it seems really obvious that all that equipment needs to come from somewhere. But if you've never had to go through that, then it's just it's just a blind spot. It's not that they've never thought about it. Just, they've never needed to think about it. Yeah, They're just happy that they've got a job yeah. and they get to go home to their family at the end of the day. And all is good. So... Uh, to summarize that one of the key things for employees is it's the security the security of knowing that they're being taken care of yep uh, now while employees are being taken care of then they're usually quite happy um, yep. I had a friend of mine he uh, he worked for a different industry worked for Rio and the, the, there's a lot of changeover that happens between Rio and BP, uh, BHP in Australia or especially in Perth because they're the two big players that kind of pay people for their level of or their role yeah. on a similar playing field. Yeah. But people don't go from Rio going like, oh, you know what, I wonder what it's like at BHP, I think I'll go over there. There has to be a pain, there has got to be something that annoys them or makes yeah. them want to go looking somewhere, yeah. that makes them then leave. That's what makes people think the grass is greener somewhere else. Yeah is something stimulated them to go looking for it. Yeah. So that's when employees will leave employment is usually because they feel like they're not being taken care of or they've got had a disagreement with their owner or, you know, it's been they're willing to take the chance of getting started on their own. And, and go through the, the pain of that startup, yep. uh, that seems less pain than turning up and being told what to do every day. And yeah, that's yeah. where the communication and taking care of your people becomes really important from an employer point of view.
0: Yeah, yeah, and no, that's where... Like, there's employees that just love doing their job every week, mm. and that's, that's awesome. Like, do what you have to do to find your own type of success, and I think that's really good. Mm. But like you were saying, if an employer isn't providing the right environment for that person... Then why they, they the question they ask is why am I even here? Yeah, so, and the other thing the word that you just use is perfect. It's, it is. It's the environment,
1: and what part of that environment is the culture? Now, being a trade based industry, uh, you don't. It's, it's not like you've got an office space where you get to control the culture all the time. You've got to yeah. find innovative ways. I know this is something that you do really well. Is how do you create the culture and how do you make sure you're Team feels like a team when they turn up, they log on, they get their jobs, and they're off to there. And it might be a whole day where they actually don't see anyone else from the organization, but they still need to feel connected and feel like they're being taken care of. Yeah. So, this is a, you know, this is one of the challenges of having a mobile based. Business. Yeah. And equally, you don't want to have a hub where I have to come in and out of all the time. It's too inefficient. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I remember my, my dad he used to work for a Telstra. He's retired now, he's been retired for 10 years. Yeah. But he worked for Telstra back in the day, before internet, before smartphones, uh, before having a world in your pocket. So he would go to work, he would get in his van, he would drive to the depot, and then they would print out little big job lists for him. All printed out in the old noisy dot matrix printers, and then he'd have those, he'd take them, and he would just start working through those for the day. But there was a place for him to come and go from every day, so who literally, there was no iPads for job notes. It was go pick up the work, yeah. write down some notes, and then at the end of the day, submit your paperwork
0: for a someone admin to enter yeah. in. The, now even when I was an apprentice, which mm. was like you know, 12 years ago, <laughs>
1: that
0: was yeah, that yeah. was like that. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> and this is something we tend to forget as well as how quickly technology has changed. Uh, definitely, you've got to use the technology because it's one of the most single most effective ways of saving money in your business. But then at at the cost of what? And part of the cost of that is
0: culture. So you need to find a new way of making sure you bring people together. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, What are some ways that businesses can uh, bring people together in a mobile environment? Good question. (laughs) Um, I know one of the
1: things that that you do well, you've got your Facebook group. Yeah. So that they all get a chance to communicate and and share ideas with each other. Yeah. One of the benefits of that as well is between, I know, between your tradies... They can start a problem solve between each other without having to come to you or Kirk all the time with with yeah. challenges. So just setting up where are the, the levels of what is a question, what is something they can work out themselves. Yeah. What is a question that they help with? Uh, they help each other out with, and then what's the next level of question where they need Kirk or yourself to go? Right, yeah. This this is how you need to deal with this. Yeah. Or this is a, a behind the scenes a high level client care thing that you need to take care of so ultimately the summary is really making sure that people have a way of like making sure their team is connected yep Um, as a business owner I would suggest you don't really want to encourage taking your team out and getting smashed on Friday nights yeah however in a trade environment like if that's what they really want then you know that can be part of the Maybe not, not going out and getting smashed, but do some sort of
0: social event as well so people get a chance to connect. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think can, it's just identifying your employees' values and what they like to mm. do and then really making it um, around them because mm. that's they're the they're core of your business. They're the people out there. They're the face of your business as well. They're the people doing the work. What do they want? provide it with them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, well, and then there's two sides to it. Part of it is giving them what they want. Yep.
1: If you ask them what they want, they're going to ask for all the <laughs> the, the traditional things. But all equally, you look at okay, like, what is the culture you want to create in your business? So this is now going into the employee side of things, but, but like, that they do link in together. Yep. What's the culture you want to create in your business? And now start creating some events around that. So there are three ways. There's social events, which is what does the team wanna do? Then there's social or team building events, which is this is the culture I wanna create, so we're gonna go for a walk, like if you want a a fitness-minded culture or a health-minded culture, then, you might go for, you know, a couple of laps up and down Jacob's ladder and then the uh health free cafe afterwards. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you do something social. Uh if you're not interested in a health culture, then just don't do that. Do something else. Yeah. <laughs> or go paintballing or whatever it might be. And then the third one is team trainings. So you actually you bring the team together so that you make sure you are delivering some training. Yeah. Uh, as an owner, there will be experiences that you've had that you need to now share with your team. And don't take don't don't take for granted that they just know it. There will be... You've got to measure your business so you know what those little gaps are. Yeah. So fill that. But you make it a team training environment. Don't make it a you guys are all terrible at what you do. (laughs) we got to come and fix this. Come in because there's a crisis. It's now, hey, look, if there is a crisis, address it. But then don't just stop doing the training because everything's running smooth. It's like, what's going to go to that next level? What are you going to give them that goes a little bit above and beyond just turning up, doing your job and leaving? When you treat it like that, then we go
0: to a values-based model. And that's where the culture starts to come together. Yeah. Just a little bit on our culture at Response Electricians. So we're talking about Facebook. We use Facebook group, like a private secret Facebook group for our employees and our team. Um, And that's where we share victories. So we've got a high-performance mindset at Response. So we share victories um, on that page, and that's dedicated for sharing victories. So Mm -hmm. everyone can celebrate everyone's wins. And that's where we put those. We put our photos of like cool jobs and all that sort of stuff up on there and we've got a really cool vibe in that group and then we use um, Facebook Messenger to connect every day and for within team uh, technical support and communication and help so hey is anyone in this area yeah I'm here I can help you out I can drop that over to you I've got one in my van so that's what we use for day to day communication keep them separate because we want to our victory is to be in a group which is solely for that. So when mm-hmm. they come to that group, they're celebrating a victory, and that's where it drives the high performance mindset. Yeah. And then just on the meetings thing, um, all of our electricians are part of the Electrician Success Academy. They do the online training every week, um, and then when we come together in our group meetings, we'll talk about one of the training sessions that they've done, and we'll talk about how that's applicable and what everyone got from it. So it's always. Mm-hmm. Like, how did you, what did you take away from that training session that you did online on the academy? And then we'll talk about that and best ways to implement it. Yep. Um, peer-to-peer because sometimes hearing it from management or from me as a business owner, they just... Yeah. Like, we're talking about It's just, no, don't get it. Mm. Don't understand what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Sometimes it's...
1: Yeah. I think on what you've just shared, there's two things that was worth commenting on as well as a little side point is... If you're driving for a high-performance team, one of the biggest problems or biggest challenges that are created in, in driving performance, and people who are naturally high performers, and, and, you know, being a business owner tends to draw that, and especially if you've got dreams of having a company and more than just a couple of staff, then you know, there's ambition within that. And the type of intrinsic character that it creates it is always looking for what's next, what's next, what's next. Mm-hmm. And the danger is sometimes they cross the finish line, and before they've even taken time to go, hey dang me, I did good, then they're off on to the next thing. Yeah. So, celebrating the successes are so so critically important on all levels because it, it satisfies the need for ego. And we all have ego, um, we've talked about this a, a lot, but ego is a natural part of our psychology, and it's the part that also needs a little bit of reward. Yeah. So, it's, it's healthy, that then, and what happens when we get reward, we get dopamine uh, released, oxytocin, serotonin, it starts conditioning people for getting successful results. We are like, oh, This feels good. Yeah. Let's do this again. Uh, And a lot of people don't get that. We need to teach people how to take compliments, how to celebrate. So by putting that as part of your training, people are like, oh, I like this. And it builds the culture and and then it makes it also easier to take the feedback. So it's not all just about puppies and rainbows all the time. Sometimes you need to address the challenges, but you've got to acknowledge the wins as well. So you get that contrast. Yeah. Um, The second thing you mentioned... um, no, it's gone. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we were talking about the, uh, the um, that celebrating the wins. Yeah, uh, right. we are talking about training. Yes. Coming together. Yeah. Uh, and so that, that, that feedback, oh, that's what I was going to say. Thank you. <laughs> when you get a group together and they're all sharing what their feedback is, what happens is I learned something and I apply it to my experience this week or what I've been doing in... In, in the field and I come together and I share okay this is how I applied it then the person next to me has had a completely different experience and has applied that same knowledge differently and by going around the table and everyone sharing it differently all of a sudden my individual single experience becomes now six different applications of how yeah. I can do that so next week when something comes up I'm like ah I'm going to do it like Bob so did it and yeah. and we, we start to grow so it's a way of amplifying the training effects yeah. without just standing there and telling people what to do all the time this is a really effective way of training Is and it creates that collaboration yeah. and equally if they're sharing their wings then also they're more likely to share their their challenges of oh this is my problem I had this week and then you've now got five other people or having a new team offering some suggestions and yeah. of that, that person goes, I'm going to give that a go. Yeah. Can do it? I'm like, yes, I can do it, <laughs> which takes the pressure off of the employer of having to take care of everyone. Now, if you've only got one or two staff, it's easy. You can micromanage and supervise them and you just know what's going on. Once you go beyond seven staff, it gets really difficult to remember and be on top of what everyone's doing. it so needs to be a system of making sure that they're, they're managed well. Yeah. Or they've got some self accountability of knowing when it's time to ask questions. And that just frees up time because, uh, one of the moving into the employer mindset side of things now. Uh, employers often have a challenge of they just get so busy with looking after their team, they can't do the things that only they can do, which is usually the most important, business development, yep. uh, networking, and getting work in. Because yeah. now you've got, if you've got five employees, you've got five mouths to feed, literally. They're yep. expecting the money to magically appear in a bank account every four nights. Yep. Uh, they don't care where it comes from. They just know that they turn up, they do a full day's work, and they go home, yeah. and they expect to get paid for it, and rightfully so. So the Business owner has the stress of looking at the bank account the day before payday. Going, damn, yeah. how am I gonna pay this? Yeah. So it's making sure that you've got that flow and you've got the systems in place so that you can do that stress-free. Doesn't mean it won't ever be stressful because there's a little breakthrough point where you're kind of hovering on the edge before you get to that point of there's there's a, a surplus in the accounts. Yeah. Now this is why people work for someone. They the employees coming along because they don't want the stress of having to ever worry about that. And a lot of employers never consider that that's something that they have to worry about until it happens. And yeah. that's where you know, this is where the employer mindset kicks in. Yeah. Now some of the challenge happens is when you get this conflict of employees just want to get taken care of and employers just want their staff to work so there's enough money to pay them.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> and this is where the conflict can sometimes yeah.
0: happen. I think there's a big uh, point to be made here as well because the employee... Just wants to come to work for the time you pay them for. There's you've it's really important as an employer and you as an employee that you find out where am I, what is the like the productive baseline that I need to hit. So, what how much work do I actually have to do in that eight hours at work Mm. to make it a profitable time for the business owner? Where you start to get a synergy with employee employer because. The employer making money, and you get a safe place to work. Hmm. Yep. Um, but uh, like we've recently just um, made our productivity very visible daily um, hmm. on a color graph, <laughs> which I share with members hmm. and that. But um, the the visibility to our employees now they they know oh I didn't do so well because of X, Y, and Z. Hmm. Um, I came to work, but you know it doesn't help. Yeah. So. If you want a synergistic culture and a a really high-performance culture, everyone has to be winning and you can't have like the employees stressed because they're overworked or the employer stressed because the employees aren't doing enough work. Mm, So it's really important you create that transparency. And this is the the
1: two elements. There's two variables that come into this equation and it's the same for all of them. There's time and there's outcome, which is usually measured by money. Now, business owners are usually very clear on looking at one or the other now that it falls down when everyone's just looking at time and just saying like work faster work faster work faster you need to teach your staff how to work faster how to be more efficient and how to measure that but also understanding that they might not be as driven to motivate to be motivated to work harder or faster and more efficiently than a business owner because well let's take you for example you've got 12 well 12, 12 years experience you value uh, personal development and trying to improve things. So you're always pushing yourself to do something better. So when you get a new employee, they might take two hours to do what it take you to do 30 minutes. Yeah. So you can't expect them to automatically do it as fast as you, but if, if as, and for the business owners listening to this, start to map out, how do you get faster? How do you do stuff that is so quick and efficient? And then now go and train your team how to do it. Don't expect it to just happen by osmosis. Pick out what are the little things that are going to help them get a little bit faster. And it's going to take a little bit of time for you to begin with as a business owner or an employer. But the more time you spend doing that, the more efficient they become at doing it themselves. And then you're like, yeah. ah, what am, what am I going to do today? Yeah, <laughs> And you can go out and get more work and employ a new, uh, a new person or record a podcast or yeah. <laughs> yeah. whatever that might be. So... Um, making sure that you've... So we're talking about time versus outcomes. Yep. Going back to as well, if if you've come from the employee mindset, like you turn up, you do the work that's allocated, you go home. Sometimes it takes an hour, sometimes it takes three. Sometimes there's a wall that's been a real difficult thing to get done and what was expected to be a one-hour job turns into half a day. I'm sure everyone's had those. Yep. But then that starts to really eat into the productivity because the job's been quoted a certain amount and yeah. you can, no one, no client really likes to be quoted $200 and like, oh, but it took a day, so here's a $1,000 bill.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and so you've got this challenge that you've got to balance out as an employer. Now, if an employer employee then goes to sole trader and still runs that time mindset and then goes to employer running time mindset, the challenge is no one really is clear on what the outcome is. Yeah. And so therefore, how do you measure performance? So my number one tip today, if you take nothing else away from this podcast. Uh, both as an employee and an employer, is get really clear on what are the outcomes you're looking for, because without that, you can't you can't do yeah. the performance measures. Yeah. And how do you communicate that with your team? And then there's a transition that happens. It takes a little bit of time, because if you've got a team that just turns up to work, does their work, and goes home, and then all of a sudden, you're like right, we're now working the outcomes. Yeah. It's this. Bit, you're flipping it, the model on its head. So you just got to take people through that. So yeah. You could probably answer this. Yeah. How long has it taken your
0: guys to come on board with the the change in focus? When it became transparent and visually transparent, it was almost immediately. Mm -hmm. But to come to that that system and to be able to provide that information to them took us about Mm -hmm. probably nine months of development. Mm -hmm. Um, And then before that, it was... Just constantly telling them, which wasn't working. Yep. So we've always looked for ways. How do you communicate visually to the employee um, so that they can see how they're performing mm-hmm. on the key metrics? So um, for us, it's productivity, and it should be for every electrician out there. So how many billable hours um, have your electrician billed for the day? So, like for mm-hmm. instance. If you're on a job and you're talking about how you went you were meant to be there for an hour but then it blew out for 4 hours has your electrician communicated to the to the client, "Hey, this isn't what with has been quoted. It's going to take me an extra 3 hours and it's going to cost an extra this m- amount of money." Hmm. Because if you don't do that sometimes and we're talking a big scale there, if it's something even like you're meant to be there for an hour but then you were there for an hour and a half and you only charge for an hour, then that's chewing into your productivity only because your electrician doesn't understand that they've Mm. got to charge every hour for them being at work Mm. to make it viable for the company to survive. Yeah. Yeah. But then the electrician mindset doesn't think about that unless you teach and train them about that. And even with
1: that, so if you're going to teach them and train them about that, if you keep going on like, you've got to be efficient because you're costing me money. So as an employer, if I'm going to the argument of like, look, you're costing me money, work harder. You know, like, well, do it yourself then. I I don't care. That's what's going to get them out. So you have to find the common ground. So what's in it for them to work more productively, productively to work more efficiently, and it might simply be: look, we got to get them all working, everyone working more efficiently, because it's getting close for you guys getting your pay. Yeah. Now the danger of that is it can motivate people like, oh damn, I'm so sorry about that. If you've got a good culture, or they might go, well, that's not my problem. It's your job to give me work, and yeah. if you're not getting me work, then. I'll go find it myself. Yeah. So, finding that balance. So, what, what's in it for them to work that little bit harder? Can you give them, is, is there a bonus of structure in place? Is there a way of measuring performance? You're like, here is the person, uh, and there's two things about measuring performance. Number one is, if someone's taking an hour and a half to do a one hour job, uh, if it's that one person they're consistently doing that, then you need to spend a couple of days doing some training to help them work faster, yep. so help them improve their, their performance. Or did they take an hour and a half to do a one-hour job, but all their others, they're doing 10 minutes quicker, then great, it was a one-off, that's it. And if all of your staff are just taking longer than it needs to, it's going to be one of two things. Either the whole team is ineffective, they need to upskill, or you're underestimating how long the jobs take, and you've yeah. got to get really clear on each of those, because. And, and reality is it's probably... Half, 50% each under quoting your but job. you can't
0: know this without putting the measures in place in the first place. Yeah. I think it's important also to not quote on your skill set. Like if mm. I was to quote with the amount of time it takes me to do things, mm-hmm. like I feel like I'm a bit of a jet when I'm out there doing <laughs> the jobs. So if I quote on that and I go and give it to one of my employees who just wants to come to work for eight hours and... Hmm. Uh, be there at work and before they knew how the the day works and they get their productivity scored every day, but say if your team's out there and you just say, go and do your jobs for the day and you've got no way of visually showing them how they performed every day, then they might go out where you've quoted, this will only take me an hour to do, so hour times your hourly rate plus your materials, Hmm. go and do it, employee, go. And then, so the electrician will go out there. And go, oh, yeah, okay. Well, I'm just gonna grab a bit of coffee. You want a coffee? Yeah, yeah, have a coffee. <laughs> have a coffee, you know, you know, whatever. And then it takes them an hour and a half to two hours. And then they drive off, and if you're, you've got a big company, then that, those sort of things can slip by if you're not measuring it. Mm, yeah, so. uh, and, and from a, an
1: employer point of view, no matter what size the company is, cash flow can kill a business. Yeah. Even if it's a big business, then you've usually got some more outgoings or bigger payrolls, so you need a bigger buffer as you grow. So what you could get by with, with two staff, now, it needs to shift when you get to 10 staff, like yeah. that buffer's not going to cut it anymore. All it takes is one week where a couple of clients have not quite paid on time and you're like, already you start to chase yeah. to it. Now, the reality is most employers, so business owners will go through a stage of that. It's how you would learn and adapt and, and build your systems off the back of that that'll set you up for success in the future. But uh, again, these are the stresses that employees never have to worry about and yeah. nor should they. So when you find that common ground of, okay, what's, what's the incentive? What's in it for them for working a little bit harder? Uh, and it's knowing your team. Uh, is it money? Do they want to work a little bit harder for money? Yeah. Now, if you're, if you're as a business owner driven by more profit and making money, don't just assume that your employees are driven by going up the next level. They might be really happy to just I earn enough. I live comfortably, but the most important thing for me is going home at 4 p.m. and spending the afternoon with my family. Yep. If that's the case, then it's not about I'll pay you more if you do more work. It's about if you get this job done faster... Then you can go home a little bit earlier, and I'll still pay you your your salary. Now you won't know that until you really get to yeah. understand your, your your team, and there's some tricks to understand. Okay, what what drives them? But you need to get clear on okay, what what is their motivator, and when you can motivate them to achieve, uh, to to well, uh, to do it the way that you need them to do it in their business. In a way that is motivational for them to go like, yes, I really want this. But then you're onto a winning yeah. streak, and your as a business owner, your expectation of them will probably be a little bit higher than what they're willing to go to. Um, I know a, a chiropractor who did a, a a model where they had an associate working with them, another chiropractor, and they got paid like a base wage, which is you know enough for them to get by, and if they had no patients in the week. Then they, you know, they at least go home and they can pay their bills. The base, yeah. They don't get to go on holiday. They don't get to go out for dinner on Saturday night to a nice restaurant, but, you know, they're taken care of. And then the next level is, and they'll be given a client base that will cover that. Then they're expected to also go out and find a few clients and bring clients into the, uh, patients into the clinic. Yeah. And then they get a commission for every hour additional hour beyond their, their base yeah, and the owner was thinking like right they're going to get an extra 20 patients uh, or 20 hours per week and then they'll get that and so they just never really hit that they just kind of were sitting at the extra 10 a bit frustrated that they weren't being paid a little bit more but at the same time they weren't that motivated to put in the extra effort to go yeah. and do that so there's this trade-off between the two so and I've seen this in so many businesses where the performance of what's kind of really driven, but then the point of, sort of what's actually expected is usually just a little bit below. Yeah. And, and you'll see this I know with your trading. Some of them are like, Right, oh, we've got this competition, let's go. And I was like, oh yeah, it takes as long as it takes. Yeah. And these are the different types of things you're gonna have to deal with as an employer. Uh that, you know, you're dealing with an employee mindset, which again, big generalization, is well, for this job, it takes as long as it takes. Yeah. Uh, I'll let Admin, I'll let the team, I'll let management take sort all that sort out. out. <laughs> yeah,
0: uh, and you know it's not something that
1: can just be yeah. sorted
0: out. So yeah, mm. I think um, if tell me right now, can you tell me the top three motivators of every single one of your people that work mm. for you? Because if you can't, you're not able to talk to them in the language that they need to hear to perform oh. well. Mm. So if you haven't done that. You should create a little profile of each one of you guys or girls that work for you and you need to know what drives them and what motivates them and what inspires them and work towards that in your overall reward system. Hmm. That's, it needs to be like a combination of everything so everyone feels like the part of the team. Yep. Um, if you have too many different types of personalities, then it could seem really broad uh, we hire really specifically, so our team is mm. quite similar. So then it's easy when you've got this is these are the rewards, and everyone's mm. gelling to that. Yep, I think there's two reasons
1: why you can uh, hire very specifically. Number one, you're very clear on the values and the mission of your business, and number two, you've you've got systems in place that reward performance. So you are naturally going to attract people who are performance driven yeah now the danger is a lot of people if you're not driving and measuring a performance culture then it's easy to just be part of the team and just hide in the shadows and nothing gets exposed this is what happens when you go from just a a generic kind of business model to a performance business model is it gets this little bit of insecurity happening so Mm -hmm. employees they like the security of a paycheck they just like the security of a job and then when they are, then, then you ask them to perform a little bit more, it starts to push a few buttons of, oh, what if I'm not good enough? What if I don't perform? What if this? What if that? And there's this whole adaptation to happened because now there's there's nowhere to hide. Yeah. So, you need to actually hold their hands through that process. Mm. But then at some point, you've got to take training wheels off as well and let them just yeah. go and realize they're okay. Uh, another thing that's going to add as well, when you're asking or trying to get clear on your employees of what's their driver, the driver. Some people will put a high importance on money, but it's never money. So when people say it's money, the next question you have to ask them is, what will that money give you or what does that money mean for you? What would you do with that money? Yeah. And then whatever their next answer is, that's going to be their driver. Yeah. So like, oh, well, with extra money, I can I can buy more stuff for my kids. Yeah. So the driver is family.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, if the... Um, well, I get to go on a, a holiday with my... With, with my friends yeah uh, ask a follow up question like would you go do you go chill out holiday same place every time or do you go on an adventure somewhere different I've said adventure somewhere different it's the variety and the adventure that drives them uh, if it's the oh well if I'm earning more money then I'm better at my job it's performance and, and winning it's a competitive mindset that drives them so when you know that that becomes a leverage of of how to motivate them so if yeah. you're telling someone look if you work longer you can earn more money yeah. and they just want to spend time with their family and like i don't want to do that yeah. <laughs> and just it you're creating a problem for them yeah whereas you work harder you can have a day off on friday yeah like oh fantastic more time with my family yeah. yeah so the two questions like what would you do with the money or if you won lotto uh what would you and you paid the bills what would you do with the extra cash um, and there'll be a theme. And what would you what do you do with your spare time, with your extra time? Those first couple of things. If you give them enough time, they'll answer everything. But well, those first key things are where their brain goes to straight away, yeah. and that's that's where you've got the motivation, yeah, in there.
0: Yeah. If you're an employer, I, I highly recommend you just go and sit down, have a coffee. It's worth the investment in time to sit down face to face with your employees and just get to know them and what they mm. value and what motivates them on a personal basis, not talking about work. And once you know that,
1: mm-hmm. and you
0: can pick that up in your interview process as mm-hmm. well, if you do it right, but but once you know that, then it makes yeah. it really easy to communicate with your team.
1: And look, practice on your team, because you know them better than the people you don't know. And as you start to hear the patterns, then when you do do the interviews, you can start to hear it so much faster. Yeah. Mm. Um, and look, remember that people now, like 50 years ago, people were happy to just have a job and they would stick there and they would stay in it and even if they hated their boss, they were happy they got paid and they got the security from that. So not the case now because mm. most, especially in electrical business, most employees know that they can go around the corner and find another job. Uh, whenever or if they can't find a job they've got some friends who need some work done and they'll they can go get started so you need to take care of your staff and when you when they feel like they're being taken care of whatever their their reference point of that is then you'll have a team
0: that will just love what you do and will stick with you forever yeah cool all right so transitioning from employee mindset to sole trader, mm-hmm. what are some of the things that people go through and think about going into that mindset yep. before they go into like, I'm going to have to hire people and it goes into another yeah. mindset again. So the, the first thing
1: that people, again, big generalization, going into a sole trader is you're in a, you you have a job without a boss. So, the first thing and the transition that sole traders need to work through is now keeping themselves accountable for what they've told themselves they're going to do. Yeah. So, you actually need to performance manage yourself. And this will set you up for uh, having a team like so much better because then there's an element of leadership where people respond to, if, if I ask Greg to do something that I'm not willing to do myself, he, he'll kind of know that. Whereas if I ask them to do something that I've already done myself or I'm willing to do for myself, then there's a little bit more accountability You're like, well, off we go. Um, yeah, there's yeah. a podcast and I know you'll have listened to this podcast, um, General Stan McChrystal. So four star yep. general. Uh, things like, well, he's been on the Tim Ferriss and the Tony Robbins <laughs> podcast. Yeah. And, uh, one of these things was there was, uh, an accident. Um, some of his men lost their lives in, uh, I can't remember if it was Afghanistan or Iraq, but on the next, uh, next mission, him and his two IC like, right, we're, we're gearing up. We're getting on that chopper. So as a general, he was quite willing to like, you know, Suited and booted, ready to go, get on there, and you know, for the morale of the team. But he would never ask people to do stuff that he would never do before, and that's what made him such a popular general. Yeah, and not just popular, he actually got some really, really great results. He changed how the the army and the joint forces were, were run. Yep. So, uh, this is a big part. Now, So I'm not expecting you to go out and go to war with people, but uh, if, if people kind of see that there's a, a proof and there's some character of you're willing to put in some of the hard work and get your hands dirty when you need to, they're going to be more likely to follow when they need to. Yeah. So... Sole trader, you need to start keeping yourself accountable. So start putting in the measures, the measures that were in place that you might not have even known about when you're an employee. Yeah. So then go, right, this is how I know that I've done well this week. Yep. Set yourself some business benchmarks. Set yourself some income goals. You might not hit it every week, but that's what you're driving towards because that will also help you know when is it time to bring on an apprentice or bring on your first staff. Yep. And then you're moving to an employer model and start with just one Make all your mistakes with one where you can just fix it in the spots Yeah. Because when you've got 10, then if there's a mistake there and it's replicate, there's yeah. too much to sort out. So you will work out your training model, you work out your style of mentoring, your style of leadership with that one person and look after them. Because if you look after them, they're going to be the person that then trains your next group of people. Yeah. And then you can start to grow. But now the thing is, the thing that determines how many people you can have in your business is how much consistent work you've got coming through. So don't just em- don't employ people for the hope that you've got uh, more work coming in. Yeah. Get the work, create the problem of too much work and not enough time to start with, and then you'll be ready to find people to work in with that. But make sure you've got a system so you can continue to pay week after week. Yeah. If you've got a month, a busy month, yeah. and you bring on five people then what happens next month once you've
0: pumped through all once the work, you've got all work done? Mm. Um, yeah. And
1: there's ways of setting up your business to minimize the impact of that, which yep. I'm sure you can share with people. Yeah, I think
0: what you need to look at when you're putting on employees is look at the growth trend. So if you've gone January, I did you know 50,000. Uh, February, I did 60,000. Mm. You know and, it, and it, the trend is 10,000 a month and you and it's consistent for a couple of months in a row. you know you can put on an extra person and right. it might be a month that you're struggling with it, but then the following month you you're mm. all good. So yeah. if that's the case and the trend is consistent, look at your accounting. make sure you've got a good accounting software mm. so that you can graph and see the trending and then you really know. So the other thing is, what back, coming back to your point, mm. start measuring yourself now. So as an employee, if you're listening to this and you're employed by someone, ask your employer, how do you measure my performance? Um, and, then, and then really start to understand that performance because that will make you a more valuable employee to your employer, they will respect you because you came to them, and then you also, um, start to understand, okay, so if I'm able to bill nine hours and work eight, that's an extra 66% profit, you know, Mm -hmm. and then that's maybe what the employer wants to reward you on. If you can go and set up something like that, that's cool. And that you're an employee and talk to your employer and communicate openly and you can get results from that. Well, look, and one
1: way to think of it as an employee is, how do I know it's okay for me to go home early today? and get really clear on what's to measure because without a clear measure of performance, then it becomes time or a to-do list. And it's like, well, here's the to-do list or the job list. Let's get through as much as possible. So even if you bust your ass to get through as much as you can by 2 p.m., then there's all there's always the next job. Yeah. Um, and, then, and so we start to drive with that. But now that there's also a little bit of a chicken or egg philosophy for the employers, which is... If you get more stuff, sometimes that's a uh, a motivator to go out and get more work in. Uh, but equally do you get more work in then there's a driver to get more staff in I'm going to suggest get the work first and then bring the employees yeah. Yeah. because the employees have a cost to your business yeah. and the benefit has to outweigh the cost so you need to make sure you can so you got to do your maths you got to do your numbers you yeah. going got to make sure that you can be profitable on each of your employees and if you don't measure that you can't know Yeah. and it's not a matter of like oh all of my staff are really busy but if they're doing the whole thing of turn up to a job like oh wow this seems big I need to get my head around this Let's go get a coffee. Yeah. Get a coffee, sit, stare at the wall for a moment, wondering yeah. how they're going to get the cable into it. Yeah. Then if you've got five staff all doing that, don't bring on a new person. Get them all working no, yes, at, at, at better. least 90% first. Yeah. And then bring in the next person. Otherwise, yeah. you're just going to be just throwing money at people. So yeah. you want to run lean and strong. Yeah. And the only way to run lean and strong is to be efficient and measure your, measure your training, measure your
0: progress. Yeah. Cool. I got a good one as well. So like, if you've, now that you've moved, if you're a sole trader and you're thinking about putting on your first, and we're talking about measure, and you, I want to put on an employee to handle this work. Now, if you're a sole trader, and like I was saying before, if you're a gun and you're out there and you're able to bill, you're, you're quoting a job for eight hours to do the job, and you're able to do it in 12, and you do that consistently every day, and you look at reports and go, sweet, I can put on an employee. He can do my work. But then you put him out there or her out there, and then they do a six hour worth of billable work for their eight hours of working that you pay them for. Then they're effectively, you're going to need two of these to do the amount of work Mm -hmm. that you do as one. Yep. Which is something you really have to be conscious of because that's where it really structured down. And we're talking about make your team understand productivity and um, becoming more efficient because. That's way cheaper and involves way less stress um, and helps with cash flow versus you just mm. putting on an extra person because you're oh we're not getting through all the work that mm. I've quoted here. Mm. So you, effectively by you taking you out and putting two tradesmen in and they work six hours a day to do your 12, like I hope that makes sense. but yeah, that's, that's really but good. Work. The other thing with a sole trader as well is if you need more money, you just, you go
1: out, you hustle a little bit, you get a couple more jobs. Like, yay! Now I can go on holiday. Now the downside of going on a holiday as a sole trader is you don't earn any money. Yeah. The plus side of going on a holiday as a sole trader is it doesn't cost you any money. Yeah. Whereas if you've got a company that you're running, like you go on holiday, as long as everything's running smoothly, that's all good. But there's still bills to pay. There's still a cost in the business. So. Getting through from that sole, if you have an ambitious ambition to grow your business, going from that sole trader to having a team, you want to get through that initial phase as quickly as possible. It's all going to mm-hmm. come down to your marketing and sales. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's actually the marketing and sales that you really need to focus on and build a system around and make sure it's consistent because now when it's more than just you, it can't just be you networking and finding some jobs. Yeah. Because now, now you need some way of getting people to actually call you because the volume needed is more than what you've got time to go and chase. And the, the magic number is three. It's going to take three people to replace you. So I'm going to... Hopefully. Yes, it worked. Uh, there's this golden model of... Just move over there. <laughs> so this kind of
0: cool. I'm so drawing
1: out on the whiteboard now. a circle the and second. it's the Mercedes sign. So, this is not for sole traders. This is for business owners and if you've got an employee, 30, one third will go to wages. Uh, this is just a, a, some rough maths. So, that's how much it's going to cost you to pay. Like, you've you got to pay someone yep. to do the work. And if they're not busy, they're still expecting that money in their account. Yep. And there'll be another third, which goes to running costs. Which is going to be your vans, your equipment, uh, petrol, um, supplies, uh, then advertising, marketing, all that kind of thing, and then ideally the other third is for you, which is profit in the business. Yeah, that includes. Yeah,
0: that that you includes your wages if you're paying yourself for wage and payroll. Yep. that includes that.
1: Yeah, because now if you're not delivering the work, or if you're only getting if 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 this is a way not to run it, is your employee is 50% wages and 50% operation costs. 0% you. Then you're not getting any benefit for then actually paying that person. And this is where people who start to grow their business go like, oh my God, I should just go back to being a sole trainer. It was so much better than it's because yep. they're running this model. So scrap that and make sure you're running the... Uh, the wages, running costs, and, yeah. you, and you. So you've got to do your maths. Yeah. And it might not happen like this immediately, but you've at least got to cover your costs when you get someone new and push to make sure there's profit in your business mm-hmm. as soon as possible uh, because without that, what happens is you just have to keep working in your business. And if you have to work in a business to earn your money for, to pay yourself and you've got five other people working in it... Well, where's the time for making sure that they're running effectively? And as yeah. soon as they dip, then the money comes out of your pocket to pay them, yep. and you've got an inefficient business. So, it's just making sure that business model sits. You've got good people, effective people, and you're measuring effectively to make yep. sure that you've got yeah what you want to happen.
0: The key, the key thing that you need to do as a sole track of, as an employee, is find out your how to how you are productive at work. So what's your employer measure you? As a sole trader, you need to get back from your day's work. This is probably the most important report that you can run across the board, like employee, sole trader, and employer. Get back, check out how many, do all your invoicing, and then go, how many hours did I bill for today? How many hours did I work? And divide it, the hours billed by the hours worked, and you're going to get a and in times it by 100 and you're going to get a percentage of how productive you were. Mm. Now, if you're an employer and you're putting people on, you need to go through everyone's day and do the same thing. How many hours did they work for? How many hours did I pay them for? And how many hours did we bill for their day? So, mm. including travel, including call outs, including you need to add all that in there so like it works out at the end of the day. If they worked 8 hours and um you paid them for eight. i oh, Sorry, if they worked eight hours and you paid them for eight and they build for eight, then you might get a you know, hundred bucks profit off mm. But if they worked for eight and that build for nine, it's like hundred it's nearly $200. Mm. It's almost double. Yeah, it's over double sometimes. Yeah, and so it can seem like a fine line between
1: that profit break even or at a loss. So you're looking for consistency. Mm. But then also, as you're measuring all these different things, and there are so many systems to make it easy to measure now. You've just got to go, it takes a little bit of setting up, but once it's set up, it's, it's done. You just get the reports back. Uh, it's Your your employees don't want to know just all the stats. Yeah. You just need to know what it is, and then you need to be able to translate it to something that's motivational to them. So, like, an employee, like, they don't care about this. No. But it's important for you to know where this sits so that you're getting paid for nurturing and growing them and you're getting rewarded for providing them the opportunity to turn up and magically have money appear in their bank accounts. Yeah, But if you're not doing this, it gets really stressful. So it comes back to the ultimate thing that we've been talking about is how do you translate all of this back to something useful for your team? And really, it just comes back to that values. And look, my simple, simple summary is make your staff feel like they're being taken care of, And if you're going to drive them to performance, what's their reward for doing that? Yeah, yeah. And and when there's a mutual benefit, so the mutual benefit is as an employer, your profits go up and you can earn money without having to work. However, there needs to be something in place for when they're working and they're busting their ass for you, especially there will be weeks where they all rally and drive, being like, great work team. Yeah. Have a Friday off or I'm going to take you all out for lunch. Celebrate. uh, whatever it might be do some sort of celebration so they feel loved and taken care of yeah. And people don't mind putting in that little bit of hard work for you as long as they feel appreciated yeah. uh, but it's got to be shown in a way that they value and it has to be consistent if you do it sometimes you do and sometimes you don't then uh, they'll feel like you're just running
0: a business yeah <laughs> Yeah. phone call call mm-hmm. them up yep. have a chat thank mm-hmm. them appreciate mm-hmm. what they do yeah, really appreciate what you're doing for us that's really important Cool. Sweet. look, I think we've shared quite a bit.
1: Yeah. (laughs) A simple summary, just try on each of those hats, wherever you're at uh, for employees, have a bit of an understanding of, okay, what's going on behind the scenes. So you just try on, what is it like to be an employer? And, you know, make sure they're taking care of you. I'm going to actually put it out there. M- employees, keep your employers accountable for making sure you're getting yeah. what, what you want without yeah. being unreasonable. And then employers, just rewind or go back and put yourself in the employee issues and just remember what that was like. You will see things differently through a different lens. And then sole traders, you're sitting in between. So, this is a beautiful point of typically there's one foot in each. So, decide where do you want to go because there's nothing wrong with just being a sole trader. Yeah. But if that's your goal, then build your business around that. If you want to grow, then there's some growth that you need to have as well. Yeah, yeah. And when all of those, when you've got the common ground to have a conversation, it's about values and culture, then that's where your business will thrive and you'll start to experience something more than just a business that
0: pays you you some money. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, and I I challenge you as an employee, if you're not happy with what's happening at your work, don't throw your arms up and complain and I'm going to leave. Talk to your employer and say, what do I need to do to make this better? Because at the moment, I feel this way and I'd like it to be this way. So what do I need to do personally to become that person for you as an employer? Cool. That's a really good point. Don't just assume that your employer knows everything that's going on. If you don't tell them, they can't change something. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You can get as pissed off as you want. But if your employer doesn't know about it and don't assume that, like you just said, don't assume that they know because so many times, you know, if you just open up and communicate, then it'll probably get fixed there and then with urgency because you've taken the time to talk to the owner. And and
1: for owners, teach your staff to give feedback and, yeah. and take it on board because there'll be times where you get so busy in the business development or running something behind the scenes that it, it is it, there's only so many hours in a week that sometimes you'll be kind of leaving your staff to just do their thing. But they need to be able to find it easy to approach you to tell you stuff so that when they need a little extra love, uh, that's not what they're going to say, but uh, when they need a little extra love and attention that they can uh, let you know for that and you can... You can just shift a bit of attention to that for in amongst all the other things you need to do as a business owner.
0: Cool. Cool. Awesome. Well, thanks mate. Well, thanks thanks for, for having me. And, Pleasure. Uh, hope you guys got a bunch out of that and we'll see you in the next episode. Cheers. Bye. This episode is brought to you by the Electrician Success Academy. You go to electrical school during your apprenticeship to learn how to be an electrician technically, but they don't teach you the skills you need to succeed in the electrical industry as an electrician and as a business owner. That's where the Electrician Success Academy comes in because we teach skills like customer service, business operation hacks, sales and marketing, work-life balance, finances, productivity and more. All of these skills are applicable to any electrician and any business owner anywhere in the world. If you are looking to take your trade and your business to the next level, we recommend that you sign up as a community member and be motivated by the high-performance electricians in that group. This is called social learning. This is where we all teach each other something. As a community member, you have direct contact and can ask questions to any one of the interviewees that you hear on this podcast. You can talk directly with me, Greg Allen, and you can talk directly with Kirk or anyone else that's on the podcast and you can interact with other high performance electricians from around the world and get little tips and tricks that you might not have thought about in your local area and that's what this is all about we're trying to share high performance information with the entire world so that we can all lift each other's standards and be more successful in the electrical industry so if you're interested in signing up to that go ahead to the electricians dash success academy.com and sign up as a community member and if you want to further your learning after that once you see what it's all about then you can sign up to additional electrical courses on there as well I welcome you just to go and check it out because we would love to have you on board as a community member if you need to get in touch with me for whatever reason just shoot me an email at support at electricians success.com